Welcome to a special episode of the Farmers Weekly podcast, an interview with DEFRA Secretary George Eustace. I'm Farmers Weekly Chief Reporter Johan Tasker. We recorded this interview with Mr Eustace after he appeared on the BBC's Andrew Marr show on Sunday the 15th of November 2020. During the Andrew Marr show, Mr Eustace courted controversy by rejecting the widely held belief that a no-deal Brexit would devastate the UK sheep sector. Tariffs would affect sheep meat exports, he said, before insisting that there would still be opportunities despite a short-term dip in prices. This is what Mr Eustace said. The price of lamb would rise in the EU. Uh, that would also mean that demand in the but, EU for lamb would say, go down would. Um, and there would be a fall in prices mm. here in the UK in the short term. But also if we're not importing uh, as much beef from Ireland, then those mixed beef and sheep enterprises would be able to diversify into beef. The National Sheep Association said the idea that sheep farmers could diversify into beef was laughable, with NFU Scotland saying that the comment had generated significant anger and frustration among its farmers. Mr Eustace also faced criticism after he suggested that Danish-owned dairy processor Arla would have to move production of its Lurpak butter to the UK if it wanted to continue supplying the British market. Lurpak said this would be impossible because legal origin protection meant it could only produce Lurpak products in Denmark with Danish milk. I started by asking Mr Eustace whether his remarks had come across in the way he intended. It's very important that I was having a series of questions put to me very much around what the impacts of no further negotiated outcome might be on some of our sectors. And I think as a country, you know, we're very bad at um, you know, always looking at what the problems might be for us without recognising that the same is true uh, of EU producers, and in fact, more so. And so I wanted to get across this fact. It's very important. I chose Lurpak as a brand for a very important reason. It is the case that Arla have got a sensitive trade union agreement that says that they will uh, commit to uh, making Lurpak in Denmark. But it's also the case that the UK is their biggest market by a country mile. Uh, Most of Lurpak is sold in the UK. um, And they therefore have a very difficult choice, which is they would either have to relocate Lurpak to the UK and uh, make it uh, in one of their plants here, uh, or they would uh, be in a position of uh, uh, you know, probably facing tariffs and therefore losing market share. And this will be happening with producers right across the EU. The UK is the third largest market in the world, measured by import volume and value. Uh, and uh, the reality is that lots of EU producers in many different countries are highly dependent on access to our market. And unless we get a trade agreement, uh, it's going to be quite painful for some of those producers. I mean, Lurpak have said that they, they can't move production to the UK because um, legal origin protections mean they can only produce Lurpak products in Denmark with Danish milk. Well, this would be a difficulty for them then because they would simply lose market share. Um, of course, uh, Arla have other brands of butter. Uh, they have uh, Anchor. Uh, you know, who knows? Perhaps we'll see a sort of anchor light brand with silver wrapping uh, around it. And a kind of, you know, I, I can't believe it's not Lurpak uh, tagline or something. But look, um, this is what I mean. It creates, uh, you know, the failure of the European Union to accept the kind of free trade agreement we've been offering uh, creates real problems for some of these uh, EU companies. And it leaves companies like Arla uh, in a very uh, difficult position with a very difficult dilemma. We've offered the EU tariff-free trade. 
we don't see any reason why they've not uh, accepted that. Uh, and they've still got time to do so. And we're putting all the efforts we've got into these uh, final days and final weeks of negotiations uh, to try to make sure that uh, common sense prevails. But it's also going to create problems for UK producers as well in, in terms of uh, exports coming, going out of the UK into the European market. The reality is if you put tariffs on trade in both directions, which would be the ultimate consequence of there being no agreement, uh, then uh, for those sectors where we're net exporters, uh, like lamb, uh, then yes, there would be market pressure. And we've done some work looking at that. Um, but for all those sectors where we're a net importer, uh, on everything from dairy uh, to beef, uh, pork and poultry, uh, and also all of the fresh produce sectors. As we displace imported foods from some of those EU countries, there will be new opportunities for British farmers. There will be uh, a great opportunity for import substitution. And that can only really happen in a country like the UK, where we currently obviously import quite a lot of our food. Uh, and if a tariff uh, wall is put up against, say, Irish beef, it is indeed the case that where you've got mixed beef and sheep enterprises, well, those enterprises will probably choose to do more beef and a bit less lamb. And that will enable the lamb market to come back into balance uh, for those producers who are lamb specialists and can only produce lamb. Because it did come across in the interview as though you were saying that uh, mixed farmers could diversify away from sheep and into beef. Well, I was very explicit. Uh, I didn't say that specialist sheep farmers in the hills could diversify into beef. Um, I grew up in a farming community, worked on a farm. I understand these things. Uh, I was actually quite explicit during this interview that mixed beef and sheep enterprises, of which there are a significant number, would probably opt to produce less lamb uh, if the market price for lamb was down and more beef if the market price for beef uh, sent the signal that they should produce more. It's not the sort of uh, industry that uh, we can turn the tap on and off, though. There's, there's, there's a long lead in time for, for changing enterprise in, in agriculture. Yes, that's right. And uh, these things would change uh, over time. Um, people would need to change their models. Um, the reality is that short-term um, release valves like exchange rates uh, would uh, assist in these things if, um, uh, if tariffs were put in place um, immediately. It's also the case that if the EU chose to put tariffs on lamb, that might have quite a significant impact on lamb prices in the EU, since the UK produces about 35% of all lamb production in Europe at the moment. And uh, they may therefore choose uh, to create a uh, and it, what's called an ATQ, uh, a temporary uh, tariff-free quota to ensure that they can keep prices stable. Beef and sheep are one thing, dairy is another. I mean, the Dale Farm situation, that's, uh, that's not going to be easy for producers um, sending milk across the Irish border in the event of a no-deal Brexit. No, well, um, the Irish situation was resolved through the withdrawal agreement. And indeed, uh, I'm afraid um, that's a, a, a weakness in BBC journalism, which um, is worthy of pointing out. The comments uh, that they referred to made by Dale Farm were almost two years old uh, and, in fact, predated the withdrawal agreement and predated the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, when we were facing the prospect of a no-deal Brexit last October, it is the case that that would have caused huge problems for uh, dairy uh, products, either liquid milk or indeed products traveling from Northern Ireland to the Irish Republic. That is no longer an issue. Uh, under the Northern Ireland Protocol, there will be no tariffs. Uh, there will be no border checks. 
Uh, and so uh, the flow of dairy products north and south is completely unaffected. A no-deal Brexit is something that nobody really wants. Do you think we'll still get a deal? Time's running out, isn't it? It could go either way. Um, there's no reason why we shouldn't get a deal. Um, we've not been asking the European Union for anything exceptional or special or bespoke. Um, we heard what they said uh, in the last parliament, which is um, they're not going to sort of extend any kind of special agreement. It had to be something with precedent, something that was off the shelf. Uh, they previously said that they would be happy to talk about doing um, uh, an agreement along the model of EU-Canada. Um, we've said, fine, uh, let's do an agreement along uh, the, the Canada model. Uh, they're now starting to say, well, they can't quite do uh, that. They, they want more after all. So it is a difficult situation. And I think it's partly because the EU currently are, are uh, somewhat in denial uh, about the fact that we are leaving the European Union, about the fact things will change. They won't be able to enjoy uh, all of the privileges um, of access to our market and access to our fishing grounds uh, that they previously had. And that does make it quite difficult because um, at the end of the day, uh, we want an agreement. We're not asking for anything exceptional. Um, but clearly, we won't be held to ransom on this. And so the prime minister being clear from the start that unless we can get a sensible type of agreement, well, then we will be uh, leaving without a further negotiated outcome on terms similar to Australia. And if that happens, will there be compensation or support, special support for, for sheep farmers in particular, but for other sectors too? Well, look, uh, we'll obviously be watching it very uh, carefully. And, and as we've uh, said before, standing ready to help where that's necessary. It is important to note that in the context of the sheep sector, uh, most of the exports occur uh, during the, the summer months leading into about October. And in fact, exports to the EU usually peak around September and October. Uh, and the early months of the year uh, from January to March are actually the period of uh, least um, trade where the lowest uh, exports occur. So even if there's not an agreement by the 1st of January, it is still possible uh, that um, the EU will reflect on their position and after all decide that it does make sense to do uh, uh, a tariff-free agreement. And it is therefore still possible that even if there's no agreement by the end of December, there would be one in time for uh, next season's exports. The Brexit transition period is due to end on the 31st of December. Could it still be extended, uh, perhaps a transition period by another name? Um, there's no point extending when, um, you know, we've been on these two sticking points now for many, many months. Um, everybody knows what needs to happen to get an agreement. We know what a Canada agreement looks like. In many, many areas, um, things have been agreed and text has been drafted. But there's not much more to be gained by extending the process. And indeed, the deadline for doing so passed in July. Secretary of State George Eustace, thank you very much. That's it for this special episode of the Farmers Weekly podcast. Do remember, you can catch up with our regular Farmers Weekly podcast every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, the Farmers Weekly website at fwi.co.uk forward slash podcast. I'm Johan Tasker. Goodbye. <laughs>